message today is entitled Response Time. The Gospel of Mark is attributed to Mark the Evangelist, an associate of Paul and a disciple of Peter. And although Mark's account is the shortest of the Gospels, it is in fact the first Gospel written. More than 90% of the content in, the, in Mark's Gospel appears in the Gospel of Matthew. And more than 50% appears in the Gospel of Luke. These three Gospels are often referred to as the synoptic Gospels because they present a common view. It's interesting to note that although Mark's Gospel is very similar to Matthew's, Mark does include one very descriptive word many times, again and again. This is the word immediately. Okay? Remember, he was the first one to pen a Gospel account. And so the word that, one that word that appears again is the word immediately. The very first account of Jesus' life and the ministry on earth was punctuated with immediacy, something that has often been lost in translation today for many Christians. So today we're going to take a look at the, this important topic as we study the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 9, says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Then a voice from, came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. See, Jesus immediately looked to heaven. He expected God to make the next move if he obeyed. This was done as an example for us. Jesus immediately looked and listened for the next directive. How quick are we to look for God for direction after we obey Him? The truth is that we often look to others first. We look for their affirmation, or for their response, or for their reaction. Then we use that feedback to determine our next move, even if their response has nothing to do with our direction. For instance, God may ask you to go rake the leaves for your neighbor. But suppose that your neighbor doesn't see you doing it. Suppose your neighbor doesn't thank you. Suppose your neighbor is even worse. Maybe your neighbor is critical of your job. So you say, so you say fine. I'm speaking from personal experience, by the way. <laughs> Not here where I came from. Okay? So you say fine. I'm never going to help that person again. You even say, I did what God called me to do, but now I'm looking for a different place to help, a different place to serve. But what if God wanted you to help that person because of their negativity? What if that person needed to see that the love that this Jesus you talk about, that this love and service really is unconditional like we all say it is? If people believe that love is only conditional, then we will never be they will never be able to break out of their bondage. Thankfully, God's love for us 
has never been and never will be conditional. Romans 5.8, our memory verse for this week, Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While people were still sinning, while they were still denying Him, Jesus Christ died for us. That's an unconditional love and that's the love that we share. That we love others in spite of where they're at. We, we, we love others because of where they're at, because God first loved us. Just think if Jesus was led by His own personal comfort instead of direction from God. He wouldn't have gone in the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. He would have stayed away from Jerusalem and the judgmental Pharisees. And He certainly wouldn't have gone to the cross. As Christians who put Jesus' name on ourselves, we need to live the same way. When we go to God immediately for direction, we bypass comfort. That's how great things get done for the kingdom of God. Mark 1, verse 12. Mark goes on, Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Listen, only someone who immediately looks to God for direction will allow the Spirit to drive him or her anywhere, especially into the wilderness. Jesus didn't stop to doubt, to fret, or to resist. He immediately looked and listened and responded. Is the Spirit able to drive you wherever He desires? Even if it looks like a place where it's not as comfortable for you. Or do you put up roadblocks of resistance or detours of doubt or U-turns based on what's comfortable for you instead of where the Spirit is leading? This weekend, it was, it's opening weekend for deer season. And I was waiting all week to go hunting with some friends. And then a need came across. A church in the area at the Beacon Assembly of God was putting on a fall fest. I'm opening the weekend! And I knew what I had to do. So I canceled my hunting plans and went and um, we were there with Susan and George Tomazek at a wonderful craft tent. I think they had over 50 kids show up at their craft tent. Just great. And I played a little country gospel out there and there was area pastors working together to bring about the unity of the body of Christ. It's always great when we respond to God and don't give time for the enemy to get in there, but to respond and, and to do things. Then God's kingdom goes forth. Amen? You see... God calls us to do this. He calls us to come into the uh, time of immediacy. Mark 1, 16-18. And as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew, His brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow Me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed Him. You see, Jesus began to create a whole culture of ministry. He did more than just build a team. He developed quick responders. A quick responder does so because they know that others' lives are on the line. That is how we should respond, as if others' lives are on the line. Sometimes it's our life. And many other times it's someone else's life, but someone's life is on the line. God is not just calling us to respond, but He is calling us to respond immediately. 
It really does make a difference, much more than we even realize. Have you ever had a time when you were really down and discouraged and someone called you at that moment or wrote you a letter at that moment? It might not have cured your situation, but it really lifted your spirits. But there may have been other times when people call or write well after you've already given up hope. Well after you've entered despair. And so sometimes we have a tendency to brush that off. When God sets the alarm off in our spirit to bless someone, we need to stop hitting the snooze. God is right on time and we also need to be. We need to be quick responders. If, if you are in the middle of the night woken up and God says to pray for someone, that means that someone needs something right now. We need to pray right now. Mark was, it was so important to Mark that if you look at his gospel so many times immediately, God calls us to immediately come to prayer and believe that it does make a difference because prayer makes a difference. Amen? Amen. So when that thought comes across your mind, don't say, I'll pray for that person later or I'll call them later. We need to respond immediately because there are people who are needing that touch of Jesus now. That's what we're called to do as the body of Christ. We need to be quick responders. The problem is that we're too good at making excuses for not responding promptly. And we may even be tempted to believe that our excuses are worthy, but let's take a closer look. Maybe you can relate to this experience that I've had as, as a parent. I would be, I would, uh, I'd have to, I would have to run an errand across town and so I would tell my children, um, clean your room before you go out and play. I'm sure this never happened to any of you. So I'd go around town and I'd come back and I'd come back and they're nowhere to be found. They're out in the neighborhood and their rooms are, are a mess. So when I talk to them later, I'll say, well, why don't you clean your room? And they say, well, I'm sorry, Dad, I forgot. Did you ever hear that before? Do you know forgot is not an excuse? This is why. Because when they first got the directive, they chose to delay when they would do it. They chose to not obey immediately. And then maybe when they went about their things, they forgot about their choice. But the, cho- the, the truth of the matter is they chose to delay the response. They did not obey immediately. But let's not be too tough on our kids. For we adults do the same thing when it comes to responding to God. God tells us to sit down and write a letter of encouragement to a friend or to go visit that friend or but because we're doing something else right now, we say, okay, God, I agree that it's important and I'll do it as soon as I have time. But then something else comes up. And we forgot about the conditions we made with ourselves that we would do it later. And we get mad at ourselves thinking that we forgot. But the truth is that first we chose not to obey promptly. Therefore, forgetting is not a justifiable excuse. We should never put off till tomorrow what we can do today. God expects us to be quick responders. Additionally, we need to be careful that we don't become hypocritical when it comes to our response time. What do I mean? Think about it. When we ask God to answer our prayers, to intercede on our behalves, to come to our rescue, we expect Him to respond immediately, don't we? But if we're not responding immediately when He tells us to get up out of bed and pray or to go visit that person in the cold or to pick up the phone and call that person, then we're 
we're not living up to what we expect. God calls us to pray and to serve and to forgive and to extend grace immediately. If we call ourselves Christians and carry His name, we need to follow His example and respond immediately. Now I say we because I'm preaching to myself as much as anyone here. God calls all of us to be quick responders. Mark 1, 19 and 20. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. He immediately called them, and they immediately responded. Jesus knew that power was dependent upon immediate response time. In fact, true power is due to response time and momentum that is excelled by consistently responding immediately. Here's the thing. We can't give the enemy time. See, this isn't about condemnation or what we should or should be doing. It's about what the enemy wants to do to thwart our plans. And what he wants more than anything is time. We can't give our flesh a second to resist or argue or justify why we're doing it or to complain or even to hesitate. Power is dependent upon response time, not just obeying. If we do not obey at the time we are called to do something, we should not pat ourselves on the back thinking that we obeyed. When we don't respond immediately, we give time to the enemy to influence us. We have to know the tactics and the root strategy of the enemy. The enemy is not out to destroy us right now. He's out to gain a little time on us. How many of you know that the enemy works in time? Have you ever heard that in heaven there is no time? There's no watches in heaven. God is transcendent through time. God doesn't need time. He is transcendent through time. He is in our past and our present and in our future. But the enemy needs time. He needs time to tempt you. He needs time to let it sink in. He needs time to get you to consider another option. How many know that if Adam and Eve would have responded immediately with the script that God already gave them, they would not have sinned? Do you realize that God gave them a script? All they had to do was read it. It wouldn't have mattered how bad their acting was. They just had to read the script. God gave them the script and all they had to do was to say, we shall not eat it. But instead of reading the script, they took time to improvise. When we take time to improvise or hesitate or consider or start to justify our actions, we open the door to the enemy. The worst part about this is it's a door that's clearly marked, do not enter. If the enemy gets his foot in the door through temptation, then haul it back and slam the door on his foot. All of us are tempted. But not everyone gives in to temptation. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.13 something of wisdom about temptation. It says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. When we are tempted, we need to immediately look for the way of escape because God said that door would be there. 
He said we would be tempted, but he said he would provide a way of escape if we're immediately looking and listening for it. But if we're too engrossed by our sin, we're too wrapped up in what the temptation is, then we miss it. But God's Word says that He will provide a way out if we're looking for it. Even when our flesh wants to hang around and toy with the sin, we need to get out of there immediately. We can't just give up and blame it on the devil. Saying that the enemy is too strong is a cop-out. The fact is that we give him the power when we give him time. We can't afford to do this. Time energizes the enemy. Why? Because his time is running out. That's the one thing the enemy craves is more time. We can't give him time. We have to respond immediately. That's how momentum is built in the body of Christ, when we respond immediately to God's call. Sometimes there is a temptation to wait in order to get approval from others. But God is the only one from whom we truly need approval or affirmation. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The truth is that we don't need others' approval or affirmation. You see, if I base my life on getting praise from others, if praise from others builds me up, then what happens when that praise is gone? What happens when that person doesn't thank me? Then I feel rejected. We set ourselves up for rejection when we let the praises of man build us up. But if we are just serving God and doing things for God and responding to God, then we don't get built up by the praises of man and we don't get rejected when it's not there as well. God tells us that the only approval we need is from Him. We've already been called by God and commanded by God to go into the world and serve others and share His love. If we diligently work on responding immediately to His call, we have God's approval. And His approval is all we need. This is how we rightly divide the word of truth, by not giving the enemy any time to convince us to hesitate or to second-guess our promptings from God. So many things that we ask God to do or the things that when we ask God to give us direction, God's already called us to do. He's already told us to go do those things. Waiting for affirmation from others gives the enemy time and it destroys our momentum. We need momentum in the body of Christ. Momentum builds and strengthens. It makes us more consistent, which produces quick responses, godly power, and life-saving solutions. Now, we all make mistakes, and that's why God gives us grace. And thank you for His amazing grace, but as we continually as a body come together and respond immediately, the power of God through the body of Christ goes into the world today. We have to be led by truth by His Word, by His calling, and not by our feelings. Because our feelings will often try to get us to wait, even for just a split second. If we are not Spirit-led, our power is dead. Now we need discernment, that's why we need to be in the Word. But if we are in the Word and we know that God's calling us to do that, then we need to respond for God immediately. 2 Corinthians 11 12 but what I do, I will also continue to do, Paul says, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity 
to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. When we are deliberate in our actions, intentional in our living, and quick to respond, we cut off an opportunity for the enemy who's only looking for a slice of time. You want to starve the enemy? Don't give him any time. We have to be willing to spring up out of bed even if we're tired. We can't afford to hit the snooze. God will wake us up. He will make us more alert. He will strengthen us. We just have to be willing to spring into action, whether it's go visiting someone, whether it's calling someone on the phone, whether it's writing a letter, whatever it may be, are you willing? Because God looks at your willingness first. One of my favorite verses is in 2 Corinthians 8.12. I've shared this with you before, but it says that if there's first a willingness of the mind, then God looks at what you have and not what you don't have. He doesn't look at all the things you can't do like we do. He looks and says, are you willing? Are you willing to obey me? Are you willing to respond? Are you willing to call that person? Even though there's an offense, are you willing to go through it to find a solution? If you are willing, God looks at your heart and God honors that and he uses it to bless his people. Are you willing to be a quick responder for God? This is how the kingdom of God advances and how his name goes forth in the earth by momentum gained through continual response time excellence. When we are consistent and responding immediately, sickness leaves and darkness flees and the enemy is defeated. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us, Lord God, in a way that would supercharge our hearts. God, we do not walk in condemnation because we are in Jesus Christ. And so if you brought something to mind, God, I pray that we would give that to you and we, it, there would be an exchange, an exchange of your power, of your grace that we can extend to others, God. For the truth is that we need you and we love you. And so we thank you for your word today as you continue to move on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.